0: Well, I'm going to take you to the word now. Most of you know we were away this week. And uh, I don't, I'm not bringing you a message that I've put together. God woke me up. I think it was Thursday morning, possibly Friday morning. I can't remember which day because we left out of there on Friday to come home. And God woke me up just as sure as I, I mean, just as loud and clear as I'm sitting here. Matter of fact, it was so loud, I sprang up and I had to go and sit on the couch and got a pen and I began to write the things that the Lord began to speak to me. So I'm not here bringing you a prepared message. I'm here bringing you a word from God that I believe with all of my heart. And this is what simply, it is a simple word, but this is what he said. He said, don't give up. Isn't it that simple? Don't give up. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't give up. I want to assure you something this morning that there's not a person in this room and under the sound of my voice. Matter of fact, there's not a person watching us online today and in the days ahead There's not a person around you that's not in some measure of a battle. Warfare is underway in a measure we have never, ever encountered it. I'm going to guarantee you that you are in a battle. Now, you may not be in the heat of it in the sense of, of right, but I guarantee you, you're on an a front, and the battle is hot, and it's raging. I want to give you three areas the Lord quickened to me that the battle is raging in people's lives. Here's the first one. It's the battle for your soul. There's a battle going on right now for your very existence as a child of God. And he is coming and he is waging war against your soul like he never has before. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. He'll come at you in any way he can. When he's coming to steal from you, when he's coming to break things, I love that song and pastor, what a revelation about that broken piece of bread that he was broken to put us back together again. There's some of you in this place, you've been broken. You feel like you couldn't get shattered anymore. Well, I'm here to tell you something this morning. God is speaking to you, and I'm not pointing out any one individual, but he's telling you not to give up. But there is a battle for every soul of every individual in this place. He wants to literally steal from you. He's wanting to kill you. Matter of fact, he wants to destroy you. I often think, God, if I've been killed, then how can he destroy me? And I really believe this is what the Lord quickened to me. He wants to take out the whole idea that there was ever, ever any existence of your being upon the earth. That's why the enemy is waging war right now through the LGBTQ transgender uh, society or community right now because what he wants to do, that isn't just an assignment against a man or a woman or a child. That's an assignment against the creator himself to take out the very existence that there's a God in heaven and that you, your own God, and can make up your own mind about who you are and how you ought to function. Here's the second battle that we're all possibly in. It's the battle of faith. It's the battle of faith. It's that battle that could start just the whole idea from the moment you're born again to you're gonna make heaven. I think we as Pentecostal charismatic word of faith, spirit filled, holiness run the aisle, flip the pews. We got this kind of idea. If you just get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll never have another problem in your life. How I many found out that's a lie? Because there is problem. Just because you're spirit filled doesn't mean that you're not going to have to have a battle of faith there's a moment of time even for me as a pastor we've done this for a long time and I guarantee there's several ministers in this room that have done it as long as I have listen there's times I question because of the battle God is this worth it is there really anything to this are we just going through the motions every week but it's a battle that we have to say God I may not feel I may not see but I know that I know that I know Oh, that I am in you and you are in me. Amen. I love every song they sang this morning and they really didn't know what I they had no clue what I was going to preach. but you're in a battle of faith and sometimes we're in a battle of faith from the promise to the manifestation. Come on, that's a, that's, a, that's a battle. How many of you, how many of you had a promise you haven't seen come to pass? How many of you had a prophecy that was given over you at some time? God said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And you haven't seen it come to pass. Come on, let's get real. And you know what we keep doing? We keep running. Give me another word, God. I'm not opposing that. But what we do seem to get is that we keep pressing. But there's a battle from the promise to the manifestation. God, didn't you tell me that you were healing me? Did you not tell me that by your stripes I'm whole? Did you not tell me that you would save my household? God, did you not tell me that you would provide all of my needs? God, I don't know why they come and just took my car off because you made a promise to me. Come on, how many said had that stuff happen? I prayed for, I've done funerals for a lot of people that we believed God was going to raise them up and they didn't. And I prayed for a lot of families to stay together that didn't. And I prayed for a lot of people's provision that they still went broke. Come on, I'm being real this morning, all right? Because this is a real battle. But just because I did that and I prayed and they didn't get healed and they didn't get provided for and this didn't happen and that didn't happen doesn't mean that the promise of God was not true and not sure. It's the battle of our faith to stay in there and God says, don't quit. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't quit. I ain't going to let you quit. Boy, this is a good one. Here's the third area of battle. You never think about this, but it's the third area of battle. And it's the battle of your will. We all have it. We all got a will. What do you mean a battle of my will? Well, I've got an idea. This is what I want for my life and this is how I want it done. It's a battle. Your will's involved. It's a battle. Well, God, I like it this way. But I'm in a place that's doing it another way. That's not a battle with the worship team, a preacher, a leader. That's a battle of your will. Because unless it's my way, I don't like it. So we got this incredible battle that's going on. Things don't always go the way we plan. For all my young people in this place, let me say that to you again. Keep planning, keep doing, but things don't always go the way we plan. Me and Diane this week as we were away, Diane went online. We, we, we really don't, we've got to this point. You know, you know what's a moment, Motel 6 was great. Y'all remember Motel 6? They always leave the light on. Because if they don't, the roaches take over. Now, just kidding. Just kidding. I just, I, <laughs> but if you stay, if you ever start staying in different places where you go up, it's hard to go back there. No matter what it is. We've got to where we like to stay in condos, not hotels. Even if it's me and Diane, we like two or three bedrooms. We sleep in one, but we just like the extra room. I'm being real. So she goes (laughs) goes online, finds us a place to stay. How many knows that everything you see on the internet is true? We're on a golf course. We're in a resort. I'm looking over, looking out. What do they call that little room back there? The lanai, you know, little setting area. looks outside. I mean, overlooking the golf course with the little lake and all this stuff on it. So we show up. Well, it was on a golf course. (laughs) It had the lanai. It was two bedrooms. But it sure wasn't what the picture we thought was. Matter of fact, she turned the light on, didn't come on. It wasn't Motel 6. (laughs) And uh, TV didn't work. One of the other bedrooms, we took JC with us the last moment. She went, she goes with us. So she's in there. Her TV don't work. I noticed on the wall in the bathroom, Jerry, since you guys have rental properties, it looks like the little towel racks, you know, you hang a towel on, looks like somebody must have jerked them off the wall and they just put something back up and there were steel holes and torn wall, you know, sheetrock because it hadn't been finished. And the TV didn't work good. No cable. Now, I noticed some of you say, Pastor, that's exactly what you needed was no TV in your world. Well, I got news for you. We did watch TV. We watched this little thing on the screen keep going around and around because it's trying to find a channel and about the only thing we could find was YouTube and it was America's Got Talent and we watched for five days, we watched every attraction they've had on America's Got Talent. <laughs> a, five minute, a five minute act took an hour because about the time it would get in there that thing start buffering again. Y'all think I'm kidding, I'm not. And then we got we had some minister friends that happened to be down there at the same time. So they invited us. Oh, by the way, we also thought we had a swimming pool. Now I pulled in. I could see this beautiful pool. I could see a tennis court. But I had no access to it. I called the people and I said, um, doesn't the pool go with this place? Nope. Now I don't even have a pool. I'm looking at it. Boy, that was a fun week. (laughs) So my friends invited us to come to their place, which was nice. (laughs) You want to stay? You want to swim? Come over and get in our pool. Walk right out their back door. Nice big pool, hot tub, all the works. Their, Their rooms were lush and big. Everything worked. I found myself for a moment almost and I just had to stop, honestly. This is the truth. I didn't say it to them. I was a little disappointed. They said, can't you get your money back and get out of there? No. We'd already paid for it. I would have lost everything if we had walked out. But I had to stop and just say, thank you, Jesus, that I have a place to stay. Even when it doesn't work out the way, that we don't think it will i'm just here to tell you please hear me there is a battle of our will i will to stay listen i will to stay in the plus the the you know the upper place i will to stay where everything is nice where i've got a thousand channels on the tv and i can wear diane out just keeping changing channels I love that, but things don't always work the way we plan. So every one of us in this room, you're in a battle. I want to remind you again, you're in a battle for your soul. You're in a battle of your faith. And you're in a battle of your will. And I'm telling you, Satan is pressing in on us in this day like never before. It's like never before. Matter of fact, did you ever realize, think about this. Let me back up to that last point because I just saw my note that I wrote and and and, and that I had to tag with that. Uh, Think for a moment that our Savior battled the very same things that you and I did. Did you ever think about the battle of will when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Listen to this. He was saying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me but nevertheless not my will but your will be done it wasn't it wasn't that he wasn't wanting to save humanity it wasn't the fact that he wasn't wanting to bring redemption. It was the fact, I got an idea and I believe that he knew what was getting ready to come and what he did not want. He did not want the torture and the torment, nor the weight of the sin that you and I would lay upon him at that moment. His will was involved in your redemption. That he said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. Satan is pressing in in our day like never has before all over the world. In our nation. In our lives. In our workplaces. Everywhere we go. In our schools. Everything that's happening. The enemy. And the Lord quickened this verse to me. I didn't even realize that it really was a verse. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 14. Can you put that up for me? Therefore, hell has enlarged itself. And opened its mouth beyond measure. Now when you go back and read that, he's talking about the sinfulness of Israel. Israel and how sinful men had become, and how they had turned away from God. But notice what it says here. Therefore, God didn't say I enlarged it, but hell has enlarged itself. He spoke that to me. He said, tell them not to quit. And he spoke to me, he said, hell hath enlarged itself. But he said, I didn't enlarge it. Hell is flexing its muscles. And listen to what it said. And it's opened its mouth wide beyond measure. And then God spoke to me about a snake. And he gave me a name of a snake. I don't think it's the name of the Spirit, but I believe it attributes to what the Spirit is doing at the moment. I hadn't been watching. Remember, I've been watching AGT. I haven't been watching Snake pictures none of that and all of a sudden he spoke to me and i just heard this word puff adder and i don't know if you've ever heard of a puff adder it's not a snake in our in our region it's found more in the nation in the country of africa and arabia and it's one of the most deadliest snakes on the planet And it's it's caused even more deaths in Africa than I think even the feared black mamba. But here's what this puff adder does. is all of a sudden he blows himself up to make himself look bigger than what he is. I had to go look this stuff up because I really didn't know. Remember, hell hath enlarged itself. So this thing blows itself up in a striking position. And here's the second thing that he does. He hisses real loud. Yeah. I can't even make the sound, but it's, the, it's pushing that S real strong to where you're going to know he's, he's hissing. The reality of this is that's that posture when he blows himself up and he begins to hiss, is actually his defense mechanism to keep you and I or any other intruder away from him. He's more afraid of us than we are of him. But when he blows himself up, And he began to hisses. And God said, that's what the enemy is doing in this hour. He is mesmerizing the people because they are seeing the enemy blow himself up and he is hissing in their ear and they are mesmerized by it and they are running in fear. And if you ever get bit by this thing, you're probably done. And God said, just like Elijah, here was this man of great faith and power that said it's not going to rain no more, no more. It ain't going to rain no more. And for a space of three and a half years, it didn't rain. I mean, you talk about somebody that moved in power. All he had to do was say it ain't going to rain. And God shut up the heavens just like this. I don't mean a little passing cloud once in a while. There was not a drop of rain that fell from the heaven. And then the Bible says that finally after three years, God had him get in face of Ahab and go to Mount Carmel. Y'all know the story. I don't wanna, I've got several things to share, so I don't want to get into every story. So he goes and he calls fire down out of heaven. And then he go top of that, he slays 450 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And then the next thing you hear is Jezebel, the wife of Ahab. She began to flex her muscle. She began to blow herself up. That's what she's doing. And she began to hiss. And she began to speak and the word went out. God do to me if that man isn't dead by tomorrow. May it happen to me and more. And that word, as Elijah just saw fire come out of heaven. Matter of fact, he outruns a chariot down a mountain. And the rain comes after calling for rain. But the next thing that happens, he hears Jezebel puffing herself up and hissing in his ear. And the next thing it happens, he is on the run. And that's exactly what the enemy is doing to some of you. He is puffing himself up in front of you and he is hissing and it's causing you to be on the run. And friend, there's three things that he does that will happen. The first thing it does, he'll put you on the run. And if he's got you on the run, then he has caused you to lose sight of your purpose and your position and the place you ought to be. Here's the second thing that that'll usually do. When that serpent strikes at us and bites, it'll put us in isolation. The next thing he did, Elijah didn't run to a group of his family. He didn't run to rest of Israel that had just laid the 450 prophets of Baal. He ran to a cave by himself. He got himself in isolation. Mr. Hacker ministered an incredible word two weeks ago here on a Wednesday night about, uh, about uh, mental wellness. I asked her to do that. And she talked about depression and what it does. And one of the things that it'll do, it'll cause you, it will cause you to isolate yourself from everybody else. And what you'll do, you will shut down. And here's the third thing that it will tell you. And you'll begin to tell, say it like this. I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. Church, I got news for you. I don't care what your battle's like today. You're not the only one in it. You're not the ever one. You're not the only one that's ever lost a loved one. You're not the ever one. Only one that's lost a kid, your family broken up, you went bankrupt, you lost your house, lost your car. You don't have food on your table. You're not the only one, but that's what the enemy wants to tell you. Because if he can get you convinced that you're the only one, it's really not about you anymore. It's about you and God. And this is what you begin to say. If I'm the only one here, then why are you allowing this to happen? And you start questioning the love factor of the Lord. Are y'all with me this morning? I'm telling you what God said. It's no time to quit. Look at your neighbor and say, You don't quit. You don't quit. Don't quit. I'm talking to somebody in this house, maybe online. Don't quit. I want to take you through a journey real quick because I just got a short amount of time. I'm not going to get into every detail of every story, but I want you to think about some things. Remember about the battle, the battle for our soul, the battle, the battle of our faith, and the battle of our wills. Very important. And God spoke to me about different people and I wrote them down. Here was one of them. You have to understand, times were so bad in Genesis chapter six. God said, I'm sorry that I even made this people. They were so wicked. Men had become so vile. I'm thinking, my Lord, I know how wicked it is right now. But if God, if you came to that place back there, what was so wicked? What was so vile? But God said, I've repented. I'm sorry that I've even made mankind Because they're continuously to do evil in their heart. So he speaks to a man by the name of Noah. And he said, Noah, I want you to build me an ark. Because I'm getting ready to flood the earth. I'm going to cleanse the earth. And I'm going to make you a preacher of righteousness. And anybody that will get on board. I'm paraphrasing now. This is Zach. Anybody that will get on board that boat with you they'll be spared from the flood to come. I really believe that would have happened. It took 120 years to build that boat. And God asked somebody that's never seen a boat, never heard of a flood, and never seen a rain like that. And God said, you build this ark. And I mean, it was so enormous. Here's the whole point of what I'm trying to bring to you in that picture. There comes a moment, church, listen to me for every one of us in here. It's time for us to have a determination and to have perseverance. And I don't care if I'm the only one. I am not. I don't like that word, uh, but I'm going to have to say it like that anyway. If I'm the only one in my family that's going to stand, if I'm the only one in my family that's going to serve God, if I'm the only one among my peers that are going to serve and follow Jesus, I'm going to take my stand and I'm going to persevere and I'm going to have a determination. I'm going all the way with Jesus. See, the old saints used to testify. The old saints used to testify years ago. See, you young whippersnappers don't even know what I'm talking about. When we used to have testimony service, the the old mothers would get up and they would say something like this. This. I'm determined, even the old fathers, I'm determined I'm going to go all the way with Jesus. Listen to me, church. There are too many opportunities for you and I to exit in this hour. But you and I better have a determination that I'm going all the way. If I have to do it by myself, I'm going to go all the way and I'm going to persevere if it takes me a lifetime to fulfill the purpose of God, which it will. Whether that's a day or whether that's 100 years, you can't give up. Can you imagine? 120 years. And there isn't anything gives us a picture that anybody helped him build that boat. Except maybe some scrapping boys that he gave, that him and whatever her name was, gave birth to in later years. But he started out by himself. Let me take you a little bit further. God spoke to me about Abram. God said, I spoke to him at 75 and said, Abram, you don't have a child. They felt like they were cursed because, in that day, for a family, if you didn't have children, that's what you were kind of people would tell you. You're cursed. You're cursed. You don't have a child. You're under a curse. But God called him out of his family and called him to a land. He just showed him, He said, Abram, 75 years of age, I'm going to make you a father but not just a father of one. I'm going to make you a father of nations. Man, I don't know about you, but if I'd been Abram, I'd been getting excited. But it didn't happen that year. I mean, him and, him and, what's her name? What was her name? Sarai. They were so excited. Oh man, that house was ready for kids. They even had the nursery set up. They're ready. But a year passed. Sarah, is there anything going on in there? I don't feel nothing. You have any morning sickness? Not a bit. You think we ought to go get checked? I don't think it'll do any good. The year passes and nothing happened two years, five years, ten years, and still nothing has happened. Wait a minute, he's 85. Hey, God, didn't you tell me that you were going to make me a father? Another year passes. And another year. Now we're at 15 years. Now we're at 20 years. Now we come to this point. We're about 21 years somewhere thereabouts. And Abram is questioning God. And God visits with him one day and said, Abram, I want you to look up. If you can count all the stars, that's how many kids you're going to have. Hey God, you know how old I am? And this wife of mine... Isn't any better, and then he says, "Look down if you can. If you can number the sands of the seashore, so shall." your seed be and this incredible battle now is going on in Abram and there even came to a point that God said your name will no longer be Abram but I'll make you Abraham you'll no longer be a father of nobility but now you'll be a father of nations and he made him for a year or two walk around and say I'm a father of nations and not a child here's the point that I want to tell you with that listen the Bible said that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God neither did he grow weak in faith but he called those things that are not as though they are church don't quit I've wanted to I'm not kidding you I've done this enough i tried to quit and God won't let us quit I tried to get out of here a few years ago or at least not really get away from it, but turn it over. If I just had a young whippersnapper in here, maybe that would be it. So I brought my nephew Chris. Y'all thought he was here just to hang out. No, we had a purpose for him coming. Because in my heart, I thought, God, what you have spoke to me. And every time I go somewhere and I look at something and I see something, I get back into that battle. God, I know what you have shown me. But church, you and I have got to stay in faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to stay in faith. Worship team, make your way back. And then Isaac, his son, that beloved covenant son that God gave him. The Bible said a famine was in the land. Matter of fact, it wasn't just any famine. There was a double famine. A famine that was in the days of his father, Ab- his father Abraham. And now a famine in, in Isaac's day. You and I really don't know what famine is. We get dry once in a while. But a famine can be caught, done, come because of weather. It can come because because of war. It can come because of many things. And what really a famine is, is when all the resources are gone. There's nothing there. There's nothing to draw from. And Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, decided we're going to go to Egypt, which represents the world, trying to find something to live. And God, by his grace, said, this is not where I called you. Get back up to that place, to the land that I gave to your father, and I covenant would be yours and this is what Abraham, This is what Isaac did he sowed in the time of famine wait that don't make sense it's dry how are we going to water this stuff how are we going to I'm giving what little bit of seed I've got left that we've been hanging on to maybe I'm going to have to make bread with it but the Bible said that Isaac sowed Because here's the plan. Listen, church. I've been preaching this for the last couple of weeks. God said, trust me. That song we sang today, the great defender, his ways are perfect. His ways are right. You can trust him. He'll get you through. He'll see you through. I know it don't make sense, but you don't stop following the ways of God. I've seen the first thing that happens to most people, and I just use this because it just came to my mind, that when things start getting tight, the first thing that you'll cut out is God. You'll cut him out with your money. You'll cut him out with your resources. You'll cut him out with your time. You'll cut, And he's the last thing on your burner, but he's the thing you need the most. And you gotta keep sowing, even when it don't look like it's right to do it. It was a time that Israel was under siege in 2 Chronicles Jehoshaphat and the people of God and a great army was coming against them and all the people were fearful and the Bible said this that Jehoshaphat called the elders of Israel together and they began to fast and seek the Lord church I'm going to tell you you and I can't stop praying And we can't stop seeking God. Matter of fact, I'm gonna start a new series on Wednesday night. I would encourage everybody in this church to be there. It's gonna be entitled, Praying Like Jesus. Praying like Jesus. Listen, we're a lot of complaints, but I gotta ask you, how much praying are you doing? Well, pastor, I want you to pray. No, he didn't tell you to come to me when you're going through battle to pray. He said, you pray. I'm going to be very, don't waste time trying to get somebody to agree with you if you're not going to pray about it. Because it's real easy to let everybody do your battle. And they can't battle this thing out. I think Paul said in the book of Thessalonians, he says, pray without ceasing. I don't mean religious praying. I mean, sometimes you just go, Hey, God, I need you. Amen. You seek the Lord. And they called unto God. And God said, Okay, I'll answer. God said, I'm not going to do it your way, though. He said, I want you to get the singers and the worshipers and put them out in the front and let them sing. Matter of fact, I think even, did he break them down in groups there? I can't remember. I think he even broke them down, put a group here, put a group here, put a group here. But they began to seek the Lord. Church, we can't stop praying. It's the most talked about thing in the church, but the least thing that's done is prayer. But you've got to pray. Let's talk about Jesus a moment. Jesus was tempted. Right after he was baptized, was led into the wilderness where he was tempted of the devil for, for 40 days and 40 nights. I believe he was tempted in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And ever here was his, here was his rebound to the to the enemy. I mean, he was dealing with the big D himself. You and I are just dealing with most time with imps. We're not dealing with the big S guy. We're dealing with the little guys and they're bad enough. But this is what Jesus and this is how he done. Get behind me Satan, for it is written. What are you gonna stand on? I love Pastor Val when he prophesies. He didn't tell me to stand on that. That may help guide me. That should push me back to the word. But the place that i got to stand on is this thing right here. And if the only word that you're getting is when you're getting on Sunday morning that we are pressing through, you're getting really very little. And if you don't have it tucked away in your heart, as the saying is, you don't have a leg to stand on. But Jesus still, If Jesus had to use the word... Don't you think you and I are going to have to? God, your word said. I may not know but one verse, but I tell you, I'm going to wear that thing out. You said, you said, Isaiah 45 11, command ye me concerning things to come. Command ye me of my word and concerning the things that are to come. I can stand on that word. Oh, Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't quit. I'm talking to somebody in this place. You're so close to quitting. This battle is so hard. It's just too easy to throw in the towel. Don't you dare do it. Don't you dare do it. Remember, not everything goes my way. Paul gave this great, God gave this great prophecy to Paul. We all like prophecies like this. I'm going to stand you before kings. I'm going to put you before rulers. Man, if he gave me a word like that, I could picture myself going and get my new suit, getting my new alligator shoes, jumping aboard first class in a plane, flying off to Washington. I'm going to go have lunch with the president. That's how we think most of the time. But what Paul didn't know was how he was going to get there. Because he didn't go there in a nice suit. He didn't go there with alligator shoes. And he didn't go first class in an airplane. He goes as a prisoner with chains around his hands and around his feet. And he's in a boat where he's already heard from God. It's not a good time to go, guys. But they decide they're going to go. And as they get out there, the storm hits. And it's the perfect storm. And this ship is about to be totally wiped out. And why they have fasted, they've thrown everything overboard. They could. They've tied the ship together as much as they could hold it together. And Paul's praying and fasting. He said, hey, guys, uh, you need to eat a little something now. And he said, I got a word from heaven. If you'll stay on board this boat, every one of us will be spared. And so will you. I'm telling you, this is no time for anybody to jump ship and get away from the church. I don't care what you think is happening. I don't care what you like or you don't like. I don't mean to be so direct, but I'm telling you, God spoke to me. And he's trying to save you in an hour where people are leaving the churches like flies and going to the world. It's no time to jump ship It's time to stay on board. It's time to stay close to what God is doing. Last one here. Well, yeah. Because my time is, i got two minutes. For the praying church of revival. I believe revival is here. But I don't think we've seen everything. And yet I got a lot of people that keep praying for revival. Revival, revival, revival. So Jesus speaks to this church that is expecting a great move of God. And these are his words. Luke 24, 49. He's getting ready to go. He said, tarry you in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You know, they had no clue that in just a few days that that would come he didn't tell them that he just said you wait you wait you keep expecting you keep praying you keep coming together you keep believing for how long? until until sometimes it's not God's moving we just quit we gave up well he's moving over there well but god told them he said i'm going to pour out my spirit but they had no clue when it's coming nor did they have a clue of what it was going to be like they didn't know what to expect and if you and i are expecting old-time pentecost we may not see it like that Or if I'm expecting this and that and that, but it may not come that way. All I know is that when it comes, the world is going to be changed. That's what the promise was. That the world will be impacted by this move of God. You know, every great leader of the Bible. I'm going to close here for certain. 13 seconds. Impossible. Every great leader in the Bible battles just like you and I do. Psalm 73, David said something like this. Truly God is good to Israel. To such are pure in heart. But listen to what he says. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I almost quit. That's what he was saying. Because I saw them look like they were taking over. They were getting... I'm doing everything I know to do, God, and nothing is happening for me. God, it looks like they don't have a problem. They don't fear anything. Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. They're not falsely accused. We're falsely accused. Nor are they plagued like other men. Their pride serves them as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment and their eyes bulge with abundance. And I could keep reading on about the words of David. He said, I almost quit. I'm a covenant son, and I almost quit. But listen to this, this is the whole key of it all. He said, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, listen to what he says, it's too painful for me. It's too painful for me until, everybody say until, I went in to the sanctuary of God and then I understood their end. It was too painful for me. I couldn't comprehend it. I, I couldn't reason that until I got into the presence of God. And church, this is the place that you and I have got to figure out how to stay is in the presence of the Lord. Don't quit. It ain't over. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your families. Don't give up on your finances. Don't give up on our nation. Don't give up. It ain't over.